0: Thank you, praise team, and uh, thank you all, congregation, for worshiping the Lord in this place this morning. Miss Lizzie, I know you're up there by yourself, but if you can bring the uh, lapel mic down just a little bit for me, please, ma'am. I would appreciate it, and then we'll go uh, go into this morning's PowerPoint. I've got just a little bit of a ring. Thank you. That's better. That's better. Thank you so much. Let's give Lizzie a hand. She's up there by herself. And uh, we've got some people, some people that are not feeling well. Dave is another one that's not feeling well this week, and we miss he and Warren and Alicia being here, and and uh, Patrick and Joy and Rick and Trish are they're down in Georgia somewhere. I hope the weather's warmer down there where they're at than it is here. Um, I I uh, for all of you snow lovers, bless your heart. Uh, I've not had enough for this year. I'm ready for springtime but uh but it's good to see you all here we missed being here last Sunday and uh uh I miss seeing you when when we're not together we did come together Wednesday night there was there was so awful many of us it was a good number but but don't forget about Wednesday night starting at 6:30 uh, youth g- goes immediately to the youth room, but then in here we come together and have prayer for 30, about 25 minutes actually, 25 or 30 minutes. And then we um, we go into uh, some worship and some share some time in the Word. Well, I want to welcome you home this morning. Since we missed last Sunday, it's our genuine welcome home to everybody. We're glad that you're back. And uh, as we gather this morning, I don't know if any of you all watched the live, uh, I just did the devotion, I used my message from last, for last Sunday and I used it as a devotional and shared that live from our home. And I, I hope, I trust that some of you all got to watch it. But beginning at the first of the year, I begin to talk about the caution signs. Uh, caution signs as we start out this year, 2022 in the Lord. And I first begin to talk about that how uh, we need to ca- caution ourselves against lacking discernment. We need discernment. We, in the day and the time, probably more than any gener- than the, or maybe as much at least as any generation before us, I think we need discernment. I think, I think we very well may be the generation that, that witnesses the coming, the second coming, the second appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know as the, that occurs that the Bible teaches us and explains to us that the the man of perdition is going to make himself more and more known during that season. I think that we are seeing that among us. I think we are witnessing that. Last week, last week I spoke about uh, in in the in the in a devotional format. I spoke about uh, how that we need to caution ourselves that we don't seek the blessing and leave out the blesser. In other words, uh, the blessings are good. I like it. We felt the presence of the Lord in this place this morning. I love, as most Pentecostals say, I love getting me a blessing. But it's not the blessing that I pursue, but it's the blesser that we should pursue. And this morning, I want to bring the, the last one. I divided it in three parts because I knew if I preached it all at one time, we would be here in an hour and a half. And I didn't know if I could hold your attention that long Probably couldn't. Cracker Barrel would have been waiting. But I want to preach to you, if you would, about the fog of false teaching. Now, you can see this very faintly, and it's that way on purpose. That sign says, caution, heavy fog. Now, many of you all can relate to that, especially in the last few days. Now I want to, I want to share with you a story. It's not really a story, it's an actual account that happened not too awfully far from here, maybe about an hour and a half from here. It occurred back in March of 2013. In, in March of 2013, uh, amidst a very dense fog, there was a vehicle that crashed on Fancy Gap Mountain over on I-77. Most of you all know where that's at. You've been there before. Unaware of what would lie ahead in the thickening mist of the fog, another vehicle would crash into the first one. And then another. And then another. And then another. All told on that day in March of 2013, there were 95, 95, 95 vehicles that Crashed. One on top of the other. It was a Sunday afternoon. Just like today's Sunday. In that 95 vehicles, there were 24 people that were injured. And there was three people that stepped out into eternity. That lost their life. All because of thick fog. And it all started with this one vehicle that crashed in that fog. Now, no doubt there were many factors that caused that tragic pile-up, as I've already mentioned. But, you see, the lack of visibility, whether we blame it on the fog or whatever, the lack of visibility is the culprit. It's not that the drivers were without sight, because hopefully there was nobody blind that was driving. It's not that the drivers were without sight, (coughs) but it was the circumstance or their surroundings that caused the blindness. (coughs) Jesus cautions us about not going blind. And by that I mean not losing sight of him. In this world that we live in now, we're living in a world that is fogged in with sin and unbelief. We're living in in what we've always deemed to be the greatest nation on earth. And I tell you, I still think it is. And I'm proud to be an American. And I wouldn't want to live any other place on the earth that I know of. But even in the place that we live, we now live in what is considered a post-Christian society. And in that post-Christian society, so much of... What people believe and what they think is we're just fogged in. <coughs> we're fogged in and we don't know where to go. When we go to, I want you to go in your scriptures to Matthew chapter 1. Excuse me, Matthew 16 and 1. <coughs> in Matthew 16 and 1, the scripture reads, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus. And tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, When the when evening comes, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red, and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky. But you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left, left them and went away. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I want us to take heed to the the warning that Jesus has given us this morning. I want us to look at caution, the fog of false teaching that lies ahead of us. We see that Jesus told these disciples to be on guard. Now... Was he surprised that they had left and took no bread? I don't think so. I don't think anything surprises the Lord. But we need to be cautious about what we consume upon ourselves. Sarah had no idea what I was preaching on this morning, so those of you that sat in the life group in the fellowship hall, uh, she got over into my message somewhat. And that's okay. I think that's good. makes me feel better about things. But we need to be cautious about teaching uh, about the teaching and the preaching and the learning, if you would, that we're consuming. I'm not trying to make you uh, I'm not trying to make you a skeptic by any means of everybody that preaches or teaches. I'm not not suggesting that in the least, but not everything, not everything that's being taught, not everything that's being preached out there, as awesome as it may appear, may maybe in alignment with the Word of God, in other words, some of it sometimes there and, and it's nothing new it's nothing unusual it's, it's been throughout the ages of time there there are things that are taught and things that are preached that may not line up with the Word of God there's been people and there's been people and movements that have tried to add to the word of god if you would there's been people that have tried to take away from the word of god if you would we have to be careful not to take the the uh the content out of the context that it's given in i think the it's very critical of how we embrace the word of god but what we have before us is a very expert counterfeiter uh, Scott's sitting back there in the room, and Scott, he, he may have to verify this for me, but uh, somebody was telling me this week that right around in this area, there's a new counterfeit $100 bill. And that counterfeit $100 bill, uh, even the little marker does, won't identify it as being counterfeited. Am I right, Scott? Is that good information? So, so it's somebody that's counterfeited. They've made it look so real, and they they've even tricked the system of that little marker that they swipe across it to to identify it as being counterfeit. Now, if any of you all have any hundred dollar bills that you're concerned about, just bring them to me and give them to me. I'll take responsibility for them. Okay, just kidding. But an expert counterfeiter is one he can, he can take something and make it look real. Even to the point of faking experts, even to the point of faking, uh, in the case of counterfeit money, of, of faking some kind of device. Well, we know that there's Even in this world of social media, there's people that clone your Facebook page or my Facebook page or your Instagram page. There's people that will clone you and pretend to be you and they'll ask somebody for money. And And if you go in and look at it, it it looks like it's you until somebody says, hey, somebody has uh, hacked you or somebody's cloned you. You see, the expert counterfeiter doesn't give you the real thing. But it looks so real that you think it is. You see, Satan has a tendency, despite sometimes what we think, he has a tendency to not to denounce the truth of God's Word. His tendency is not to denounce that God's Word is real. In fact, I believe that Satan realizes and recognizes that God's Word is truth and God's Word is real and He even, we find that He even identifies that or He, He will identify with that someday. I think He knows that. But rather what Satan attempts to do is to, is to twist the Word of God into a distorted mess of deception and confusion. You see, it's not that Satan needs to make you or I bad. It's not that that he needs to. Take us out of church. It's not that he needs to do any of those things that we typically think of. But if he can cause us to be twisted and confused on the word of God and deceive us. He has done his job because he has used the device of deception. Which is a counterfeit type of work or a deceptive type of work to cause us to... To even, I believe that Satan's tactic is to even cause people that sit in the midst of the church to be deceived. To cause people that sit in the midst of, of Bible study to to be deceived if he can, and he could. We see that this is not a new device that Satan uses. In fact, if you go back into Genesis chapter 3, and you begin to read there the... The age old story that all of us probably know about, and that's just that, that account of Adam and Eve, and when God created them and He put them in the garden, but, but Satan, when He came to Him, you find this in Genesis chapter 3 verse 4, Satan, He, He doesn't denounce anything that God necessarily had told them to do. He didn't, He didn't say, oh, God's given you ill instruction, but what He says is, oh, you, you, you really won't die. You really won't die. God really didn't mean what he said. God really, God, God really. He, 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 he knows what you're going to do, and he knows you're going to eat this. You're, you're not really going to die. And and he even goes as far. If, if you just, the second Genesis chapter three in verse five, he says he really knows when you're going to eat. He he knows that. And, and, and in essence, he was right. God does know that. But what he wants to do. Satan wants to take the truth and the reality of of God's Word and, and the Spirit of God and he wants to twist it to cause a means of deception. In the temptation in the wilderness, we see that Satan makes three attempts to deform the words of Scripture to Jesus himself. And Jesus is the Word become flesh. But yet three times... He he tries to use the Word of God and and twist it and distort it even to deceive Jesus, if he could. Jesus' response in every occasion was, It is written. It is written. You see, because the Word of God is not necessarily about our our opinion. And I understand there's doctrinal differences, there's doctrinal beliefs, and there's differences in theology. (coughs) But Jesus responded every time with, It is written. It is written. It is written. You see the phrase it is written, or I like reference to that phrase, uh, is used in excess of nine hundred times in the in almost every version of the English language of the New Testament. It is written. Understand with me this morning the importance of the written word of God. I was in a previous pastorate, I was. We were having a Bible study one night, and it was we had that Bible study one night, we we were entering into a discussion, and I don't remember exactly what the discussion was about, but I remember this one lady. You know, you always have that one, maybe sometimes two, sometimes three, but this one, it, it, you know, it, it was. She said, and this lady, her words were something along this line. She said, well, I know what the Bible says, but this is what I've always been taught. I said, but you said you knew what, know what the Bible says. Well, I do know what the Bible says, but I've always been taught this you see sometimes there's sometimes there's even traditions and and uh, old wives tell as they're often called that can be handed down but but when we realize and we come to that point in our Christian walk when we realize it is written it is thus saith the Lord it's not about what I've always been taught it's not really about what I've always believed but it's about what the word of God says to me and what the word of God brings to me that is what the word that I'm Saved by, that is the word that I will be judged by. You see, it is very important to me that I understand that the teachings and doctrines that I am absorbing must be consistent with the word of God when that word is taken in context. And many times we hear people say just that. Well, I know what the Bible says about that, but. Listen, goat's butt. Mm Mm-hmm. There's not room for but when it comes into the the scripture and applying the scripture into our life. I know what the word of God says, but But when we when we put that but in there, that is that is a that that word actually says, I know what the Word of God says. That word but means but this makes an exception to all of that. It's a conjunction. And, and in that, in that, the Word of God brings to me all that I need to know, all that I need to live by, all that I need to hang on to. But then we've got a master teacher. A master teacher. And when we come to that master teacher, There is a sudden shift that takes place. Because these guys are going across the the lake. They're traveling to the other side that I spoke about a couple weeks ago. They're going to a land, they're leaving Jewish territory, which was their domain. They're going to the other side of the lake, and as they get to the other side of the lake, they're going, when that boat stops, we we know with the story, Jesus came walking to them, but they made it to the other side. When they get to the other side, they're no longer in the land of the Jews. They find themselves on the other side, which is the land of the Gentiles and the land of the Samaritans. So, so they 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 go on a journey, and it takes them out of off the east side, and it takes them over to the west side, and there they find themselves in a sudden shift culturally, and in their society. Some of you in here, I, okay. I, I'm technically I'm not middle aged anymore. I realize that, okay. Some of you in here saw more. Some of you in here saw less than I have in life. But I think most of us, maybe not all of us, but most of us in this room can agree that probably in the last 20 to 30 years of of life as we know it, in the last 20 to 30 years... Here in the land that we live in, in America, I can't speak to the other parts of the world, but here in our society, we have seen a dramatic shift to take place in our society like no other society that's been before us. We've seen that shift occur and, and and we've, we've, if you would, we've went from, you know, the Jewish culture spoke of a, uh, culture that followed Yahweh, that followed God, a, a culture that was in spite of of some of their Judaism and those traditions, it was considered, you know, God's chosen people in the Jewish culture. And now suddenly they find themselves on the shore of the Gentiles and the Samaritans. In other words, it was a culture that they didn't fit in. Do you realize... That right now, we haven't went across the sea. We haven't got on a boat and set out for sail to the other side. But do you realize that the culture in America has left the church? It used to be the proper thing for, it used to be bragging rights, if you would, for somebody to say, well, I'm a member of such and such church. It used to be an embarrassment for somebody to say, no, well, I, I don't attend church anywhere. I'm not a church going man. That was almost an embarrassment. Now it's almost opposite of that. You're almost looked at as being weird because you're faithful to church or you're faithful to the Christian life. You're, you're, it's some kind of bizarre event if you're one of those church people. And there, there's been a shift and it's not that, that the church has sailed across the ocean, but the society around us here in America has dramatically shifted right in front of our eyes and right under our feet. Those disciples, when they got When they got to that other side of the shore, and they landed among the Gentiles and the Samaritans, they realized that they had forgotten to take any bread. (coughs) Matthew recorded this. He said, Later, after they crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring any bread. Now, that's that's very significant to us. And here's the significance of it. The Jews, in their tradition, and and actually in their religion, the Jews to Jews, the taking of of unleavened bread was, was what they did. They that's what they partook of. To taking of bread that had been leavened was, if you would, almost an abomination. The unle- taking of unleavened bread was set aside in the Torah. It's something they've been taught from the time they were children. It served as a in taking of unleavened bread served as a consistent reminder to them of the first Passover. Has has Yahweh as God would lead the Israel's Israelites out of Egypt and out of the bondages and lead them out of the desert. So it was very significant to those Jews. But now (coughs) they're dwelling in the land. For unleavened bread is a rarity, if you would. It wasn't as popular. It wasn't as well known. You, It wasn't as easy to find. You see, the leaven in itself was not sinful. But what leaven does represent to us in Scripture is represents compromise. It represents a deviation from the disciplines of God. When we begin to think about leaven has as it's used as a a metaphor if you would in the new testament it, it it basically it represents sin so now they have found culture has shifted culture has shifted they have they have gone across the sea now they're in a different culture and the culture of unleavened bread is no longer the prominent culture so in the natural sense they would probably Being good Jews, they probably would pursue unleavened bread, but the reality is the opportunity that they would find it would probably be almost non-existent. And Jesus used all of that principle. He used all of that when He gave them the instruction. He used that opportunity to caution them not, not about leavened bread, not about the bread. Because I don't think Jesus was really concerned so much about the physical bread that they ate. But what Jesus did caution them about was not taking hold of the leavened bread of the Pharisees and the Sadducees or the religious teachers. Of that day, he said, "Be on guard. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees." You know, and sometimes we can find ourselves guilty in in many ways. And you know, a- abstinence is a, is a abstinence a big word. You know that 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 is a. If we can abstain from anything, that that is totally removing anything from our life. Abstinence is big. Abstinence is big. But but Jesus here, he's warning them, and, and 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 maybe he just because he knows who we are and how we are as people. But Jesus even goes on to say in one verse of scripture, he said that a little bit of leaven will leaven the whole up. You see, for us, sometimes we can, we can accept compromise. Sometimes we can even accept a, a, a twisting of Christian doctrine. We can accept a, a, like that lady that I described to you that said, well, I know what the word says, but I've always been taught. You see, a little bit of leaven the scripture teaches will leaven the whole lump. I used to do, I did body work for a lot of years. Auto body work. And, uh, those of you that, the guys, maybe some of you ladies have done it before, but there's just, there's just, you, you get a gallon bucket of this stuff. It's either called Bondo or you can buy it in fiberglass. And then you get another little tube. You get a big old bucket. It's a gallon bucket. And then you get another little tube that's about this long and about this wide. And it's got hardener in it. And and what you do is you you put just a little bit of hardener in that Bondo and in about 10 minutes unless you mix it up totally wrong maybe quicker than that 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 cream has already hardened up and it gets so hard that you can sand it and you can paint it. Now, here's what happens. That little tube will is enough, usually more than enough to harden that whole gallon bucket. Of that, of that putty, of that cream. And, and, and it's made and it's designed where you get just a little bit out and you mix some up and you use it and then you get a little bit more out. <clears throat> That's typically the, the, the process. But I had a guy that I, a friend of mine, he didn't know any better and he mixed up some and put just a little bit in it, but he didn't use it all. So he took what he hadn't used and scraped it right back in the bucket. It didn't happen instantly. It didn't didn't happen in a flash of a moment. But a few days later, he went to open and opened up that bucket that had the remaining part of that body filler in it. And guess what had happened? That little bit of hardener, it's a catalyst. That little bit of catalyst, that little bit of hardener had hardened the entire bucket. It didn't take much. He still had a tube of stuff. But that little bit that he scraped out in that bucket, it had, it had the ability over, over a few days, it had the ability to cause that entire bucket to set up and to become hard and become unusable. If you would. You see, when we begin to look at what Jesus is teaching us here, we find that, that he's saying a little bit of leaven will leaven the whole lump. And when we look at that metaphor and we consider that to distort the gospel in the least of ways is to distort it in its entirety. To, 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 to abolish the gospel, to, to to tear up, if you would, and I, I'm just speaking this in, if you would metaphorically, but to take our, to take one of our Bibles and, and just to tear a page out of it because we don't like that page. That page doesn't make us feel happy. This page doesn't make me feel good. So I tear this page out of my Bible. I remove it. And probably very few of us would literally tear the page out of our Bible. But, but what I'm saying to you though, if, if there's part in that Bible that we don't like, there's part that, that we can't, we have a problem absorbing, then what we, we, and we just say, I'm not going to apply that to my life. I'm not going to put my, put my life under subjection to that. I'm just going to remove that part. I'm just going to pretend it's not even there. It's if you would to distort the whole entire Word of God. But the Bible tells us that we need to expect some of these things. In fact, it means that we don't accept all of them. When you read 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul writing to to Timothy. Coming up behind him. His spiritual son in the, in the faith. And he says, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter days, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. I want you to pay attention to what that says. It doesn't say that some will, will will never come to faith. It says some will abandon the faith. People, people that have had sound teaching and 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 were rooted in sound doctrine, they will abandon the faith and they will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and to and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out, to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teachings that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myth that old wives tells. Rather, train yourself to be godly. You see, but sometimes we can get so fogged in. We can get so fogged in, in living in a world that has shifted around us. Living in a society that is no longer a godly society as a whole, but we're living in a post-Christian generation, if you would now. The Word clearly prophesies that in the last times, that and some, some have experienced true faith, they're going to turn away from it. I hope that's not me, and I, I trust it's not going to be you. But it's going to happen and they will follow deceptive spirits. And they will follow teachings that actually comes from demons. That's what Paul is saying. Teaching that will turn us from the truth. Teaching that may be easy on the ear, but it will be alluring to the flesh. We talked about that and and Mike was, (coughs) was getting over into that territory this morning in our life group. About sometimes there's things in life that we don't like to do. There's things in life like paying taxes was used this morning as an illustration. There's things in life that we don't like to do, but we do it anyway, don't we? Some, sometimes in our Christian experience, there's things in comparison to society that, that we... You remember, hey, we're Pentecostals here this morning, okay? Remember when they used to call us Holy rollers. We don't roll too much no more. I know that's not good English. We don't roll too much no, anymore. Maybe it's because we're not holy like we was anymore. I don't know. But 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 do you realize how do you realize that right now that the majority of people that profess Pentecostalism have never made an expression in an unknown tongue? We don't want to be labeled. Do you realize that in many ways, Christians in the world today, they don't want to be labeled as Christians at all. But what we find is, is, is Paul said, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires. They will gather around a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside into myth, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and discharge all the duties of your ministry. You see, I, I I don't mean to be morbid this morning. And I don't mean to be discouraging by any means. I mean this is a this is a time of encouragement when it comes down to it. But in the age that we live in right now, if we truly believe that the coming of Jesus is closer than it's ever been before, and common sense tells us that, we shouldn't expect anything less than what we're seeing going on in the world around us. But what we have to do is protect our hearts and not get fogged in to what the world is doing and what the direction that the world is taking. And the beliefs of society that are happening all around us. We still must believe the word of God. We still must stand true to it. So here's our best defense. Two things I want to share with you in our defense. The first defense is that know what the Bible or know what the word of God teaches you. Or teaches us. Paul. Again, telling Timothy, he says, All Scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. A while back, a year or two ago, I was in a, I was in a training seminar. And as I was in that training seminar, and the, the instructor in that training seminar teaching us on church growth, made a statement that actually, it startled me. Because he was talking, he was, and he was going around the room, and he, as he asked around the room what different people were doing in their church, and, and you know, we, we I, I'll be frank with you, we went through so many church growth seminars, if we don't know how to do it by now, we're never going to catch it, are we, John? But as he went around the room, and, and a number of people said that they were still doing Bible study. And this instructor said, well, I can tell you right now. He said, you're never going to grow your church on Bible study. He said, you will never grow your church teaching Bible study. He said, that's one of the most boring things that you can ever do. I thought, my gracious." So we're, we're, we're building church, we're increasing our church, we're, we're wanting our church to grow, but by studying the Word of God is one of the most boring things that could ever happen. Well, it can be so redundant. Yeah, you know, It's the same old Bible we've had for like the same old years, and it's the same old lessons, and it's the same old Bible study. Let me tell you something, there is nothing old about the Word of God. In fact, the Word of God is new every single day. If you will open it and you will experience it, you will find something. If you will go and you will ha- go with a positive mind and a positive attitude and you will go to a Bible study or you go to a small group, you will find something in the Word of God that will touch your life, that will cause you to grow. If you have no desire to learn the Word of God, if, you, if studying the Bible is boring to you, listen, I, and I understand, don't go read all the baguettes. You don't know what the baguettes are, right? Don't read all the baguettes first. But but go try some Psalms. Try some Proverbs. And and try some Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And and, and, and go and indulge yourself in the Word of God. And learn the Word of God. And grow in the Word of God. (coughs) Because you and I need the Word of God. The bread of life. In the age that we live in. The second thing I want to set you up in defense is be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul told Ananias in Acts chapter 9 verse 17. He told him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14... Verse 26, the the new international wording says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. Do you catch what that, do do you catch what Jesus is saying there? He said the advocate or the helper, the Holy Spirit, my Father is going to send in my name, meaning he's a representative of me, is what Jesus is saying. He said, He will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said. How does Jesus speak to us? Yes, the Holy Spirit reminds us, but the Holy Spirit reminds us of the things that Jesus has said to us. Are you with me? The Holy Spirit reminds us of everything that Jesus has said to us. So here's what happens. We we, we indulge ourselves in the Word of God. We indulge ourselves in the Word of God. We consume the Word of God. Uh, listen, I read something the other day. It was, uh, it was uh, the article was called the, "The Miraculous Brain." I don't even know how I got reading this, <coughs> but it was talking about the power of the human brain. And and uh, Dave's not here this morning to 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 help me out, but. I mean, computers are massive now. You, you know, you know, y'all got your phones. You know, your your cell phones. You know, all they are are, are little computers. That's all they are. Your iPad it's just a little computer. uh you're, you know, you got may have your you may have a massive desktop at home. It's a computer. But but what I was reading this week is there has never been a computer. All the supercomputers that have been designed, there has never been a computer that matches the capacity of the brain. I forgot how many millions and millions and billions of, of of it was. I actually referred to them as compartments of the brain that they are, and it said it, typically in a lifespan of a human, only ten percent of the brain ever gets used. Wow! Just look at that person next to you and say if you could ever use that other ninety percent, you know. but even in the capacity you know i i I've, I've been a student of the word of god for oh, oh well over 40 years and you may be you may have been one longer than me May have read the Bible through more than I've read it through. You may have studied more than I've studied. It's, it's, not about, it's not about matching up to see who's read and who's studied the most. But but I, I'll have to be very frank with you. But but every time I, I pick it up and read it, I find something that I didn't know. Or at least if I didn't know it, I don't remember it anymore. And I found myself in situations where there's times that that that. I'll be maybe meeting with someone or dealing with someone in a situation and or or maybe it's even in my own personal life and and suddenly, suddenly as, as I pray about that situation the Holy Spirit will begin to bring back to my remembrance what the Word of God says in that circumstance you see, you see our defense is not only the Word of God but it's also the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit brings back to us because the words, the things that Jesus taught us is His Word and the Holy, the Holy Ghost, you know, I don't know if any, any of y'all ever been on an airplane when it's real foggy. Or even when they're just going through the clouds. <coughs> but you know, I, 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 I'm glad I was on an airplane one time and it was real foggy and real cloudy. I was flying to Pittsburgh and it was a small plane, it was a smaller plane, a commuter plane. And we're flying, and you can't see the fog thick and all outside, and and it's cold about this time of year. And all of a sudden, here comes the pilot walking back through the plane, and you know, and I'm, think, I'm thinking, who's flying this thing? You know. But you know, those planes have they have a system. It's called a navigation system, autopilot, if you would. It it, it works off of radar. And sophisticated equipment. You know what? There's a lot of sophisticated equipment in the world. There's a lot of massive radar systems. But there is not a system that exists that's ever been known to mankind. That is massive and is accurate as the working of the Holy Spirit. There's not a surveillance system. There's not a guidance system. There is nothing to compare to the working of the Holy Spirit as He leads us and guides us through life. But we must indulge ourselves in the Word and then let the Spirit bring that to bring that to the forefront, if you would, or edify that in our lives. Here's the thing: the Word and the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit. Will always complement one another. The Holy Spirit is not going to tell you something that the Word of God doesn't support. And when the Word and the Spirit have come into our have come into our lives and is manifest in our lives, then the fog is lifted. That's a picture of Fancy Gap Mountain. Same place. Two different times. You no, know, the one on the the one on your left is not heavy, dense fog, as heavy as it gets sometimes. It's still a limited sight distance. you can't see very much, but when the fog is lifted. It reminds me of an old rock song. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I know some of y'all sanctified, you never listen to that. But I can see clearly now that the rain is gone. But, but once the fog is lifted, once the fog is gone, once everything is rolled back, the Word and the Spirit, has. Rolled, we can see clearly everything God has planned for us in our lives. But guard your heart. Lord, guard our hearts that we don't grab hold of any doctrine. That's not of you. That we don't grab hold of, of some easy believism or something that's just going to make me feel good. I want to indulge myself in the word and be navigated by the Holy Spirit. And if I do that, I can make it through the foggiest of nights, no matter what comes or what goes in the day that age that we live in. If I will put my dependency upon the word of God and the working of the Holy Spirit to bring it manifest in my life, God is going to guide me and lead me through. He led those disciples to the other side. He brought them to that place. He says, you don't have any bread, but uh, he took care of them anyway. He reminded them about how he had fed a uh, uh, 5,000 plus of women and children on the hillside. He said, I'll take care of you, but you need to be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He said, they'll feed you something that you don't need. And that's exactly what the world would do to us today. <coughs> It's what the enemy would like to counterfeit us with. I don't have a problem with systems. I don't have a problem with programs. I don't have, I don't have a problem... techniques. I don't have a problem with any of that. But I want to tell you something. We can have all of the techniques. We can have all the programs. We can have all. We can have everything that we need to do. We We can have everything mapped out and laid out. But if we do it apart from the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, we will not prosper in everything that God wants us to prosper in. I need His Word. I need His Spirit. I hope that you feel the same way about it. I just want you to stand to your feet right now. And let's just begin to to praise Him for His goodness over our lives, for leading us through the darkest of nights and the foggiest of days. God, You have blessed us. Father, Lord, as we come to You today, I praise You. I worship You and I bless You, Lord. For You are the light and the darkness. Lord, I... I just praise you today, Lord, because you are my you are my lead, you are my guide, Lord. You'll never lead us astray. You'll never you'll never depart from us, Lord God. You you will never take us, Lord, in in the wrong direction. You'll never take us, Lord, to a place, Lord God, where I should not go. Lord, in I... Difficult times, Lord, you will be my stay. Lord, in the troublesome times, you will be my comfort. Lord, you will bless and you will keep. Lord, you will watch out over me, Lord. Lord, you are so good, Lord. Lord, we cherish your word, we cherish your Holy Spirit. And Lord God, today we just worship you because you are good and you are lovely, Lord God. And today, Lord, there is nothing that will come my way. There is nothing that will befall me, Lord, that will pluck me out of your hand, Lord. As long as I put my trust, I put my hope, I put my confidence in you, Lord. God, I pray for people in this room this morning. Those that may be watching. God, I just pray that, Lord, that they'll have confidence in your word. I pray that they'll have confidence in your Holy Spirit. Lord, may we experience a revival with the word of God and a renewing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, that we, we, in this time, in this day of trouble and, and as darkness seems to flood in around us, that we may be a people, Lord God, that stand true to you. True to your word. God, and we will not give heed to doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. But, God, we will hold fast to your word. Black will be black and white will be white. Lord, there will be no gray in between. But, God, we will hold to your truth, Lord Jesus. Lord, our yeas will be yeas and our nays will be nays. God, you, Lord Jesus, you, Jesus, bless us and bring us into that strength, Lord. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this room this morning. I just want to ask you a question. If you're in here, you don't know Jesus. Or maybe you've parted from Him. Maybe your faith has waned. Maybe you've drifted. If that's you this morning and you would like to say, Pastor, I just need prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you. You don't want to come up here. I'm not going to make you come up here. But if that's you and you just need prayer, would you just raise your hand this morning and say pray for me? Anybody in this room? Thank you. Is there any more in this room? Pastor, my faith is waned. My faith is waning. Any others? You may be watching by live stream this morning, and if your faith is way you can be restored. You can be renewed. That's what God's in the business to do. That's why Jesus came. The Holy Ghost is here that we may continue on. So this morning, if you desire, if you desire to spend some time in the altar. I would say the altar is open, but it's never been closed, so it's not necessarily open, but the altar is available if you would like to come pray, anybody in the room.